For today's podcast, I am delighted to have been joined by Olivia Yeager, the CEO at Forward Keys, a company that I have admired for some time. Olivia shares with us some of his experiences around building Forward Keys from scratch and also the ways in which they add value to pure data. This is a really interesting podcast and also shows some valuable learning lessons around company culture and ambition. I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I did in the recording. Delighted to be joined by Olivia Yeager from Forward Keys. Um, Olivia, we've known each other for a while, but um, perhaps you could share with the audience and the listeners what is Forward Keys all about and how did you come up with this great idea? Well, uh, good morning, John. Uh, thanks for having me. And th- thanks for your interest uh, in Forward Keys. Uh, the interest of Forward Keys um, is the result of uh, two meetings, uh, consecutive meetings I had with um, uh, top management in Halton and Accor many years ago, I guess 12, 14 years ago, maybe. And both meetings, the time I was, I was really involved with hotels, both meetings ended up with a, a question. You know, there's always a moment in these meetings where the heart of the negotiation discussion has been addressed and, and everybody's relaxing. Everybody knows either the last 10 minutes, maybe a lost coffee for the road. And both meetings ended up with a question that says, but, you know, how could I predict... Um, and constrained demand. How can I understand forward-looking demand? And I don't know, at this time, what came to my mind was to say, well, you know, if I, if I knew how many people are going to come to a, a city, I would, I, would have a, I would have a nice proxy um, because then I could anticipate the number of people checking, maybe not booking, but at least checking it. And, um, and the idea that was put on the table was saying, well, you know, if, if we understand the, uh, the air bookings, uh, which is typically what anticipates the, the, the hotel booking in most cases, discussion point, but we, we know it is, it is in general a true statement. Well, therefore you have a, you can, you can slightly anticipate um, at least by the volume because the hotels are super scattered. So stuff through the hotel inventory to get a good sense for uh, uh, what's the demand for a city is going to be. But then you do have uh, an ability to anticipate uh, the demand for a destination. So at this point, and what the company was in the very early days was um, to try to aggregate as much booking information. At the time, we were working with with all GDSs, and today we work with uh, with with IATA DDS as well. Um, 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 was to aggregate as much air um, uh, ticketing or booking information so that we can understand the the way the market is going to build up through time. And therefore, forecast, if you will, the volumes of passengers, meaning tourists, or meaning transitors, or meaning returning travelers, uh, business, leisure, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of segmentation, so that marketers can understand uh, the future performance of their destination, essentially. And I get, I guess, we we do more than this. Uh, we're we're a business intelligence uh, uh, company. We deploy a lot of uh, a lot of mathematic and logic on top, on top of their da- of, of these data sets. With one one uh, rule of engagement, if you will, which is um, there is a need for understanding the traveler trends 
And that need is specific by typology of customers. And our job is to basically trying to extract from the massive amount of information we process every day, that piece of information that makes a difference for a senior executive in a luxury brand, for a media planner, for a tourism board, for a hotelier, for a car rental company, um, so that he or she can make that decision that makes a difference to his business. And that's essentially who we are, what we do, and how that came together. So these two successive meetings, was that was that just purely and completely coincidental that they just happened like that? Or had you sort of mould this over as an embryonic idea before? Um, or it just pointed you to there's a gap in the market that we could or I could fill? Well, I wish I was I wish I were that smart, uh, but no. Uh, I think in my case, uh, the basically founding forward keys were the end result of a career path. So yes, you're right. That idea had come to me before, uh, but there's a natural evolution of uh, my contribution as an executive uh, uh, for TravelClick, uh, for uh, for Focus Rides, for MB4, for for Amadeus. Uh, uh, for AOL, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, uh, you know, so it's like this uh, biz dev guy, sales guys, product guy, uh, consultant type of uh, analyst uh, spirited, uh, brings you to understand the, the, the meaningfulness, if you will, of data and the relevancy of data. And uh, at one point, you uh, interacting with customer, try to, um, you know, try to gauge or get a sense for what they need are. And what would make a difference for them? How, how could you allow them to make a decision? What is the information they'll be looking for? So I think that's that's what got me to to create forward keys essentially. So so you ran back to Valencia and where forward keys are now based, and and probably stared at a laptop, and it was like, where do I begin on this journey? Um, and how do I get this data? I mean, you must have it must have been quite a journey in terms of securing access to the data points and to beginning to create the models and the algorithms around this and, and to build a team. I mean, it's it's a fascinating journey, but it's probably taken 10 years plus, I would think. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, over 10 years at this point uh, from company creation, if you will, to today. Uh, you're right, you're right. There would have been ways to do that much faster, um, but we didn't have the cash. So we just uh, took it with a great patience and uh, waited every decision we were making uh, to protect ourselves, essentially. So actually, I was not in Valencia at the time. I was living in the southwest of France in the countryside. And that's a perfect place to basically um, think, uh, conceptualize, be very patient. <laughs> mm-hmm. Being very, uh, very obsessed with uh, with your end goal, believe in it, uh, never, never abandon the idea. Yes, it's been a difficult uh, road because yes, we had to convince lots of people that there was value in the data they cherish and they protect uh, because they belong to them and rightfully so. And when it comes to the GDSs, essentially convince them that there was a future for these bookings beyond the. Uh, heavy profit, I must say, they were making out of selling this information to the airlines. Uh, so my point at the time was to try to justify that there was way uh, to sell this information for much less money, partial information, but to a much wider audience. But obviously for this, you needed to have the technology to slice and dice the information to extract the insights. Uh, and, uh, well, the, the, you know, uh, 
some of these guys out there were convinced uh, with a with a laugh that I'm thinking, wow, huh, okay, let's let's let's, <laughs> let's see how these guys gonna fail. And uh, and some other, you know, uh, like the idea, and um, and uh, yeah, so we we we, we got it uh, to where it is uh, through all this time. It is only later. I mean, when I when I when we got when we set up with my partner Christian Pinsford, uh, the the company essentially, um, uh, he was based in Valencia, and um, could not move. Uh, away from Valencia, so we decided to set the company in Valencia. But I need to be honest. I mean, I was not a fan of Valencia in the early days. But I must say, this is one of the reasons why we have been able to set up this company with no debt, uh, uh, you know, self-financing ourselves uh, year over year because because lifestyle is fantastic. The cost is really reasonable. You can have a real good life here with uh, with limited amount of money, and uh, and we have a lot of stability in the staff as well. Uh, and these are essential uh, when you're launching a company with with little cash, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, so that's been that's been has been Valencia has been very very important to to the whole adventure. It, it's interesting what you say about insights because we we hear so much about big data, don't we? And you know the GDS systems and the the meta search systems are are really big data, but it's it's the nuggets of insight that really are where the value is for most people, isn't it? That's that's where it's that's where the value is derived. Now you must have yeah. you must have been quite frustrated to begin to articulate that value because it was everyone wanted to answer the question but they couldn't and suddenly you had some of the answers. So that did people come rushing to you looking for the answers or did you have to go and articulate the proposition? Yeah, well, there are two elements of answer to this. One is funny because everybody's obsessed with flat files on the data lake, right? Mm-hmm. But but obviously uh, the question is, what is the answer to what question uh, before before you know? Give me five kilos of data, please. You know, uh, so there is a funny twist in the, in the current situation, and we also see tourism boards coming. Hey, I got all these flat files. Can you help me to process them and to you know express them? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a funny. Thing going on in the industry right now, but essentially, yes, the, the what the, the vision or the, the value proposition we've been, uh, you know, I always say, you know, you have two Excel, Excel databases. I say, I, I give you all my data, it's all there, it's just in this Excel database. How much are you willing to pay for it? Well, I don't know, 10k and 20k. All right, here's another Excel database, and this Excel database, not a database by the way, it gives you three numbers, that's it. These are numbers that wake you up at night, and I don't know for a, for I don't know for a luxury boutique in the center of Paris is you know when should you have more staff that mm-hmm. speaks Chinese because this is when the Chinese guys are going to buy, be buying from your shop. Yeah. You know that is worth a lot of money. I mean, don't give me your data. I, I know it's worth a lot, mm-hmm. yeah, but but this is what I need. You know, you know Wednesday the twenty seconds. That's what I need, right? Um, so. Uh, being able to extract this information, it's uh, it's actually a two-way street because you know that there is information that must be relevant for this for this luxury boutique, but they are unable to to verbalize it, and you're unable to figure it out. So it's a funny thing, you know. Sometimes uh, sometimes people tell me, oh, you know, the value for keys, you guys do big data and all that jazz. So yeah, maybe, but at the end of the day, if there is one real value. That there is, which is the the secret recipe of what is is in the use cases. That's it. Mm-hmm. It is all about the use cases, because the rest is about how do I massage the data, which data, you know, 
Uh, do I need a leg, another leg? Uh, how do I process it? Yeah. And like, yeah, I get that. But at the end of the day, it is the use case. What makes that Joe is willing to spend 150,000 euro on the subscription to Forkeys in order to access the three uh, daily or monthly uh, uh, pieces of information? Because these are the ones that he can use in order to make decision. And the fact that he's paying 150,000 euro for this, it makes no difference to him because what's at stake is much higher in terms of value. And that is how we've been connecting the business. So that's why we have 12, we're operating in 12 silos. So sometimes, so for some silos, you know, the value is, is more, from, from other is less. The capability to invest is more or is less. Uh, but we've been able to navigate and grow our business on a yearly basis, simply uh, trying to get deeper into the use cases, if you will, of each of these businesses. So you, you have these, it's interesting, you have these 12 customer segments. And then if you overlay them with your geographic data that covers the whole global sort of economy and, and travel ecosystem, um, mm -hmm. it suggests to me you must have staff in every major market in the world. Is that the case? Or, or are you bringing people into Valencia and, and coordinating everything from there? How, how, how many people have you got working for you and how does it all work? Because there must be some fascinating cultural um, and nationality type sort of um, dynamics that you deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it is uh, it is intriguing because we're still a, a fairly small company. I mean, we have, we're, 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 we're a team of 70, 70 people. So um, yes, it, it is always about trying to uh, build up this kind of matrix organization which combines support and sales globally, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is, I mean, in, in our case, at least that's how I, I've been perceiving it, mm -hmm. we are slightly a different company every six months. It's very difficult to get remote people. I think most of the people that work with us, even globally, they spent, you know, maybe a good six months in, uh, in Valencia to... Uh, to get the DNA shot, if you will. Yeah. Otherwise, your ability to execute around against, you know, company vision and all that jazz is is very difficult. It's totally challenging. Um, and 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 so we have I've, I've, I've prioritized the idea of having people um, in Valencia. Uh, I think we have around uh, fourteen people. Or, uh, there are fifteen people who are not in Valencia. Essentially, sales and analysts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but we tend to like having uh, a lot of uh, resources in Valencia because sharing the knowledge, sharing the information, sharing the evolution of the processes, sharing the insights, sharing yeah. about the new data sets, sharing about all these things is very difficult remote. Um, and, um, and yeah, I know, I mean, for the last six months, maybe things have changed uh, and, and they are changing. But so we've always um, preferred to uh, try to get that knowledge if you are from Valencia and then distribute people around the world. And that has worked That has worked well for us. I mean, the DNA of a company is essential and the company culture is what sticks the, the processes together, if you will, and, and the humans together, which is, which is very, very important to us. But um, uh, yeah, we, we tend to have a, 
we were we're trying to get the model to uh, to evolve uh, specifically toward Asia, specifically in the current context because I think there's a lot to bet that uh, the Asian market post COVID gonna react faster. Um, um, but we're still uh, largely anchored in, in in Valencia with resources in China and Singapore and Australia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, it, it's interesting you mentioned the last six months. How has the last six months been for Forward Keys? Has it been um, a situation where people have said we we just don't need the data at the moment, or? Are there more enlightened people out there who say who are actually saying we need more data insights at this moment in time? Well, it's been a combination of both. Obviously, uh, I mean, as any business, we we saw the uh, the, the the COVID uh, situation and impact on the economy and specifically on the travel industry. Uh, you know, as as a scary uh, scary situation for ourselves and for our customers. I should say rather for a customer and herself, by the way. Uh, so we have a number of customers that basically has put have put their subscription on hold. Uh, so I think about uh, duty free operator. Think about uh, tax refund operator. Yeah. Think about uh, retailers, shopping malls. Uh, yeah, well, those guys are not invoicing, and sometimes they're not invoicing at all. So there's no right. real reason that they should use the information specifically because we know. Uh, you know, two three months down the road ain't gonna be, ain't gonna get better. So there's no there's no need to to spend money on this. Uh, but funnily enough, our numbers are are going up um, uh, aggressively this year because we also saw other typology of customer, new typology of customer coming to us and say, uh, well, I think it's time that I get a sense for what's going on in this market. I think it's time that I inject data in my processes. I think it's time that I, you know, that I get these these worldwide sensors about the uh, uh, travel and tourism industry, um, um, you know, injected in my in my in my own in my own ecosystem, and uh, that's why our numbers at the end of this year is going to be a you know a double digit growth, uh, a big do- double digit growth versus 2019, which is which is a, a miracle in itself. Uh, I don't think it's a forward key stuff, really. I really think that it's uh, essentially about uh, the big data push and more and more companies being being realistic about, you know, having data, using data in order to make decisions, and we've been able to to leverage this. So that that for us has been has been good for us, mm-hmm. uh, and, and really not good for some some areas of our customer, but but uh, as we all know, right? So you're. In some ways, you're almost a counter-cyclical business where inadversity is opportunity for you. Which I and and I think you're right. Data generally becomes more valuable at this moment in time uh, for many um, of your customers. What are what are the key things you know that you're picking out from the snippets of data that you're seeing? I mean, clearly, there's this whole discussion about domestic, regional, and long hauls um, a long way from um, coming back. But what is what? Are, what sort of sentiments are you picking up in in the market? Is it becoming cheaper in terms of airfares, length of stay? Have, have you got any sort of insights you could share with us? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the industry for a second before <laughs> I answer your question. But I think really that um, I think we've seen a lot of dysfunction through this through this crisis. Um, I think we've seen that the industry was not prepared, and I, I think we're seeing that our our governments are not prepared either. Um, 
we've seen a lot of, um, um, you know, uh, booking data or, 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 or ticket data, which were not honored by the airlines simply because the flight couldn't fly. We've been a wounded industry trying to uh, stand up for itself, if you will, uh, but unable to do so because we have zero visibility and no control over uh, where you can fly, when you can fly, what conditions. Uh, we've seen, uh, I mean, the same for, 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 for capacity data, where you see that these airlines trying to, to, to have a life and, and, and exist are being uh, uh, shut down by the fact, again, that the flights can't, can't, can't fly. So I think we've seen some aspects of the, of the dysfunctioning of the industry, but the, uh, the, the dysfunctioning of, the, uh, of, of our governments here in this, in this area, but we can talk about that later. So consequently, what we're seeing is uh, uh, obviously whatever is controlled, not, I mean, uh, uh, regionally, or, or I would say domestically, is protected, protected or, or is able to rebound faster. So every market has been able to somewhat get the COVID under control and has a domestic market is doing pretty good. Um, that's because the new unit of control, obviously, from an industry standpoint, is the government. It's not, it's not an airline anymore. It's not an open sky policy. It is the government. Um, we're seeing that the booking pattern from people are much shorter. I mean, obviously, you have anxiety as well, getting a refund or whether the, this flight you're actually booking is actually going to materialize itself. So people book last minute. In terms of segmentation, uh, yes. Uh, well, essentially, what we see from a, from a pattern is, is, um, is the VFR segment that is, that is faster to recover. And that's always been the case in any kind of scenario. I mean, uh, you will not go to a, to a dangerous destination for leisure. Mm -hmm. Your boss will tell you not to go to dangerous destinations for business. But if you have families or goods or whatever, or, or wealth at, at any destination, you will travel. That is what we're seeing right now. Uh, so obviously the domestic and the, the regional should pop up. I'm much more worried about the, uh, the intercontinental. Uh, if you think about the situation we have uh, a lot, uh, of, of Asian uh, and Pacific destinations basically have managed to protect themselves from COVID, where us in Spain and France are certainly not protected. How many years will it take before a Spaniard or a French guy can travel to New Zealand when there is no one case? I mean, how many years? How, how, will, how will we set this up uh, if we cannot trust the, uh, the test, if we, if we do not believe that it's safe to fly? If the vaccine is not, you know, overwhelmingly uh, distributed and implemented, uh, that one is a is a much scarier thought. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, and you know, I mean, I know there have been some some suggestions that 2024 we could return to 2019 levels, but I personally, am beginning to feel it could be 2026 if if some things don't change quite quickly. Um, yeah. But but we have to be optimistic about the vaccines and track and trace and airport testing and all of those sorts of things. So um, I, I picked up on that bit about, um, you know, the governments and um, leadership. From your perspective as a CEO in a travel company, um, do, you, do you feel that we've handled this as a global community correctly? Should it have been governments? Should we lock down? Should we have... Should we have looked towards allowing people to travel and, and you know, just accept the herd immunity argument? 
Well, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not a, a scientist or a doctor or anything like this. Uh, the only thing for me that seems uh, a bit bothering is that uh, I, I, I've always seen uh, COVID as a, as, a, as a gun with two bullets in it. The first bullet is health. And the second bullet is the economy. The problem of health is that, you know, it, it's visible. The economy, it's much more subtle, if I may use this term, God. Uh, and it spreads, and it's slow, and it hurts, and it breaks. And, uh, and, and sometimes, I must say, uh, that um, I feel we're not doing enough when it comes to the economy. And I really think that our industry is, is the symptomatic of this. I mean, you know, without travel industry, a lot of our countries are losing between 5 and 25% of our GDP. Mm. That is that wealth that is not distributed. So, yeah, we can stabilize the economy, but how are you going to do that with travel and tourism? You, you, it is impossible. Yeah. It is impossible. I mean, the French market, the Spanish market, which are my most, uh, my most, uh, my proxy here uh, to the world, I must say, and maybe I'm looking at the world through this, 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 this limited view, if you will. But, um, you know, Spain here, 30% GDP comes from tourism, and that's direct. But indirect, that is people's survival, that is bars, that are flats, that are restaurants, you know. Mm. This is all collapsing right now. This is all collapsing. And, uh, and the question is, um, um, you know, I don't think people get sick from traveling. They get sick because they're, they're get not tested. Yeah. And I, I don't understand why. I mean, I think one of the failures essentially is to have look at COVID as a, as a researcher, a fundamental researcher in health and, and vaccine could do it, if you will. This is an operational issue. It is an operational issue. It is about who, you know, what are the rules of engagement? Let's have them clear. What can you do? What do you need to do? You know, do I need to get to the airport with a, with a test yeah. in the last two days? Or do I need to get to the airport four hours before I take off and I get to get tested? Do I need to account for spending 140 bucks when I get to Heathrow and, and account for staying there five hours and get tested again? That is okay. Do I need to load a specific app in my my phone while I'm traveling the UK and visiting my customers? Do I need to respect these and that rule? You know, this is all okay. Tell me what it costs, and I will decide what my actions are. Yeah. And with this, we will slowly but surely resume the industry, but do not lock the doors without knowing, because this is killing the economy. Yeah, killing the economy. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Spot on. Now. Um, let's let's try and get a bit more optimistic. Um, we are going to get past this point. What is what is what does the future hold for Forward Keys? Because I mean, this is this is an evolutionary journey. You know, you've been at it for quite some time, and yet I feel you're only now, with respect, beginning to get the momentum and the profile over perhaps the last four or five years that the product and the business deserves. So there must be tremendous opportunity for you out there in those 12 segments that you describe and, and some that you probably haven't even identified yet. Well, I, I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the good words. That's all right. That's fine. That sounds like that. Uh, uh, listen, um, I mean, it sounds, it will sound absurd what I will say here, but I feel that we will be done with the foundation of our business by end of Q1 2021. Okay. And then people will look at it and say, wow, you guys took 10 years to create like a, 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 a rather small data business. Yes, yes, that is true. 
I think it took us 10 years to get to the level of maturity where we're able to get anything and everything uh, done with the data. And fundamentally for us, the next step is not about data, essentially. It's about insight. Because the insight is what matters at the end of the day. It's about, it's about you know, enhancing the forecast. It's about uh, you know, uh, uh, providing uh, more accurate estimation of the people there are by segment if you are at a destination. It's merging and mixing our data with others um, to extract more insight. It's displaying this information differently. Uh, it's trying to, act, to access better data to, to permanently um, enhance you know, the type of insight that we can, we, we can provide mm -hmm. to our customer. It is uh, easing the access to this information. You know? And that's been a struggle uh, uh, itself internally is creating indexes uh, that allow, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, the financial community to uh, uh, get a better sense of the, the economical sensors, if you will, running around the world uh, in, in demands of travel because they are proxy to the, to the demand in general, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of stuff we can still build. Uh, and, um, and, 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 and yes, we have, we have, uh, we have, we have a, a, a clearly defined strategy to, to try to address that. I hope we have a bright future. I hope it for, for me. I hope it for all the guys that work in Forward Keys because, because that, that is really, really important. Uh, and, and, and there is one thing I, mean, I could say, I, which is uh, we're going to work hard. Uh, we're going to remain humble because I think we are. Uh, we're going to question ourselves all the time and we're going to try to do better and be better at what we do. Uh, tell you, uh, Q1 2021, the foundations are... Are, are over. It's all about being creative with the numbers and, 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 and getting more ways and better ways to extract insights that can be used uh, by customers. You know, I give you I give you an example because I think it's interesting. And sorry if that's a digression. No, please have, do. We have some some we have some customer that that you know one customer would buy some some services from forward keys. So that same customer would buy PowerPoints because they need to understand these are that trends at sea level. So they just want a couple of slides monthly that tell them, okay, this is what it looks like and these yeah. are the reasons and this is what we think is going to happen. Those guys also get access to some front ends we have because they need a query tool. They need to be able to answer their own questions, right? And then they also have access to an API or flat files, whatever you want to call it and whatever the methodology is in order to access simply because these people they are basically injecting our data in, 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 in the supply chain type of tool because they are automating how to uh, 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 predict, if you will, demands of this or that product. And I think it's a nice illustration where, um, you know, think AI, think all these things, you know, where, where some algorithm needs to help you to think about your business without you, you know, with you being sleeping, if you will. Uh, versus uh, that information uh, needs to come as a PowerPoint analyst needs to help you to understand how, how things are going to go. And it really tells about the usage of data, you know, the, the, the pipe connection to, for, for automation, perhaps yeah. to uh, an, an educated uh, senior analyst that can tell you what the, what the future looks like. So there is, there, there are many ways to serve data. Uh, um, um, and I think that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, it, it is interesting well. because there is just so much data out there. And, you know, as you said earlier, creating the insights 
is of those three numbers are of much more value to most people than a flat file on an Excel sort of spreadsheet. But um, I think it would be really interesting for the audience and our listeners to understand how much data you actually suck into your system on a daily basis, because you're picking up a tr almost a daily snapshot of GDS booking activity, aren't you, around the globe? I mean, that's a that's a huge amount of data in normal times to be yeah. to be t handling and managing. And, and you know, I've, I've been to your offices. I've, it's a very impressive setup. Well, thank you. Thank you, John. I mean, um, to be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> but it is it is true that uh, if you look at uh, if you look at uh, you know the, the, the global GDS uh, data uh, uh, that's a lot of, of reservation in, and if you add to this uh, the uh, IATA GDS well that's more than doubling it actually because there is even more information there mm -hmm. uh, so yeah we're we we I, I wouldn't know how to use uh, you know whether I would need to use uh, Terra, Terra metrics or or or, 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 or million million metrics of uh, reservations of interaction, but uh, yes, there's a lot of data. But to be honest, to be honest, that is not a concern. It is not a concern nowadays. The question, I mean, it's a question when you need to reprocess a file, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> when yeah. To, when you need when you need to make some changes and extract from the raw files this piece of information that you find out when customer wants and you haven't thought about in the early days, so then it, then it's going to take you weeks or maybe months sometimes yeah. to reprocess some some specific stuff, and that's true because you always have to gauge between you know cost and speed there. Yeah. Um, um, but the tools today, and and if you're patient, you can do that kind of thing for 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 a cheap price. Mm -hmm. uh, the question essentially, we get back to the to the to the initial point, then, John, which is the intelligence, which is what is that you want from this data? What is it? What it is that you want? From? Uh, and that's uh, and and that's where the value is essentially. So I, I think it's very interesting. We sort of we've touched on it because in the context of what you've just said. But I think one of the most fascinating questions to ask any CEO or anyone in a leadership role is, what would you have done differently if you had a chance to change something again? Apart from clearly being located in southwest France rather than Valencia, although it's quite a hard choice. They're both lovely locations. What what would you what would you have done differently or what what have you learned? Well, uh, you know what? Um, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that asks himself permanently, uh, you know, kind of uh, rewinding the tape and try to see. Uh, uh, but then the decision I have taken or we have taken are the decision that we took based on our best abilities. Uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we regret any because even those that were failures were, were huge. I mean, I hate the notion of failure because mm -hmm. you get so much learning from the fact that something actually doesn't work how you wanted it, uh, that you're probably richer than when it works. So, so this is, this is all fine. You know, I, I give you a, I'll give you a, a, a political answer, but it's, it's true. If I had known that these decisions were the right one, I would have accelerated all. <laughs> yeah. And and in light of what I see around, I would also try to push in this or that direction and mm -hmm. we'll be uh we'll, we'll be faster. I mean, John, one important factor is that we started forward keys with zero cash and, and we never had any debt. Okay. So uh that that is I mean there, there are two areas of pride for me in this in, in that business is that is one. 
because you got to do that. I mean. Yeah. Uh, and the second is uh, one of the pride is to have been able to uh, shift uh, the focus. I mean, the organization of forward keys from being a startup, which essentially relies on the, you know, it's all the weight on the shoulder of, of a couple of individuals, you know, uh -huh. to be, becoming a, a an operational, um, um, absolutely scalable business uh, where, you know, Areas of responsibilities are absolutely distributed. Every process is, uh, is 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 cut into mini pieces with people in charge, with separate quality control, and each of these uh, steps is replaceable, interchangeable, uh, and and duplicable. And and that is that I think has been one of the most difficult. And I don't know what you what you what you think about this, John. But uh, but moving from you know a couple of spirited individuals you know getting the sales done yeah. getting the product done to something where you have teams of people with areas of responsibilities mm -hmm. and well-distributed processes that are not overkilling the whole thing yeah uh yeah. for me it's been it's one of the one of the pride i, I was going to ask you about that because it, it it must be so so difficult for some for a very small group who have taken a baby to this point where you describe it as you have the foundations in place you know you were responsible in everything from the data to the marketing to the product development yeah. to the architecture everything to do with the brand and now as you've evolved of course you can't do everything and you have to you have to leave it to others but it, it becomes almost irresistible not to dabble and interfere sometimes doesn't it and that that's a very hard lesson for all of us, I think, to sort of trust others. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should ask you the question. <laughs> uh, uh, listen, I mean, you know what? Uh, I, I mean, I believe in, in the definition of a good manager, which is the guy's not needed because he sets up the environment that works in itself and yeah. he's empowering his guys. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a corny, like from the book kind of thing, but I believe in it. I think it's true. Yeah. Uh, um, I believe, uh, I, you know, this step for us has been painful. We've lost some 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 very good people. There's been there's been blood and tears, uh, tears truly, uh, pushing ourselves very hard, uh, yeah. not getting where we wanted, uh, getting people awfully frustrated. Uh, no, no, it's been a it's been a difficult one, but I also think that. Um, you know, I mean, I reorganize the company every year, so people think I'm crazy. Uh, but at the end of the day, in the companies of, of, of our type, in an environment that, that, that evolves so fast, and with technology evolves so fast, with customer needs, you know, are, are, are reinvented, frankly, uh, at least every year. Uh, it's, it's essential to have the honesty to look at your organization and say, okay, right, okay, last year we said this and that and that, and that's what we've organized. How are we doing? How is this? Okay. Mm -hmm. And and you need to have the courage to uh, to 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 challenge yourself permanently. Uh, there is no I know I know it's it's not comfortable for, for for the staff, and I know they they don't like me for this from time to time. But uh, um, I think we've been honestly uh, looking at all our challenges and and what was good and what was bad, and trying to adjust. And I think uh, that courage is what took us where, where we are, and we will continue doing this, okay? Because in our industry and where we are, a company like Ford Keys, resting on any laurel of any kind 
would they be in, in a machine like that? Uh, it's just the beginning of, of death. Um, so we, we don't have a chance, in fact, and we don't have a, an, um, a choice. Uh, we have to keep on reinventing ourselves and, and trying to be faithful to our, to our, to our DNA, uh, our vision, and try to execute against it. That's it. There's, there's no choice. There's no alternative. Um, I don't it, see any alternative. Do you know, I think it's quite interesting you, you talk about, you know, we, you can't afford to be complacent and you need to have that humility in everything that you do and challenge um, challenge your people and your organisational structures. And I'm, I'm sitting here sort of thinking maybe COVID-19 really has been as much as anything else a wake-up call to the whole travel industry because, you know, we we maybe have become a bit complacent and we maybe as, as an industry have become a bit more confident than we should have been and we were not challenging ourselves. So it's fascinating. But you have the foundations in place and you're going to go, you know, from April 2021, uh, not the 1st of April, I hope, um, given it's April Fool's Day, maybe the second. Um, you're going. Maybe you're going. The you, April, just, uh, just for the sake of it. Just yeah, just for the hell of it, and to prove <laughs> prove it's a myth and it, it's nothing to worry about. Um, but where you know, in in three, two, three years time, where do you where do you see this um, forward keys business? Do you still located in Valencia? You know, more people, obviously more customers. I mean, you must be very confident that if you retain your humility and you know you keep you keep the company ethos the future looks really good for forward keys uh no i don't know uh and uh, i mean maybe it's me but uh i i hate being i'm not very good at at, at keeping on keep on pedaling uh on a bicycle when i feel i've already got the right speed so i need to get that little bit of feeling that you know of, of insecurity that <laughs> you're not going you're not going skydiving again are you i'm going what sorry you're not going to go skydiving in valencia like some of our mutual friends have done huh? are you on the skydiving thing yeah yeah, I know. I tried, but uh, I was very lucky that day because I went with them. Uh, I was very lucky with them. And you know what happened? Uh, the plane landed. I was about to get into the plane and said, no, no, too many clouds. And you uh, <laughs> would have seen that smile on my face. I said, oh, some other days, maybe. <laughs> Actually, never happened. I'm so glad it did. So, so glad it did. No, no, but listen, I think, that, I think our future very seriously in the sense that um, uh, this, is, this, is, this is a business when you need to reinvent yourself permanently. Uh, a lot of the things we were trying to tell our customers uh, three years ago, they would not listen, they would not understand it. And today they're calling and looking at us and saying, can you guys, can't you guys deliver it this way? And we're looking at ourselves and wow, wow, that's what we talked to them about three years ago. They were, they were not listening. Yeah. They, were, they, they would not understand it. So we need to be ahead of all this. And being ahead is very difficult, very difficult. Because, you know, I, 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 was, I was telling you ahead about, you know, these use cases. Mm-hmm. Well, it's same for, for something as simple in principle than a tourism board. Uh, can you go and talk to a tourism board and say, oh, guys, hey, uh, nice to have you as customer. We hope we're serving you. What will you need in two years from now? I mean, you're never going to develop no. a business on that question. It's not, it's not going to happen. Nobody knows. And I mean, by the way, anyone is hardly interested in answering that question. So you got to do that. You got to do that, and for this, you need to try. You need to think. You need to. You need to be creative. You need to accept to fail. You need to make stupid decisions. Um, and uh, actually, these are the ones I'm really looking for forward to, uh, because they're the most fun. But you know, it, it's about 
how do you keep on injecting that creativity and just not for, 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 for the sake of creativity, but just because you need to be one, two step ahead of your customer. Otherwise they're going to look for, for another option. Hmm. And you could argue, just say, well, yeah, but you guys, you know, you guys have some set stuff, uh, you know, maybe the brands that reflects on the number of Chinese that will get to uh, Vladivostok on the 5th of November, you know, who does that right now? Yeah, yeah, uh, this is true, but uh, that, that, that cannot only be our, our only business. I mean, right now we're, we're helping the, a lot of luxury brands to understand how the Chinese are spending their, their money in the high nine duty free shops, you know, uh -huh. uh, because they are our customers, because we have identified that needs and because we've seen this is BI and we could pull it off and that's what we're doing. So many opportunities, uh, but, but because we're going to be listening, because we're going to be humble, because there is going to be sweat and because we're going to be happy to take on challenges, we, we, we shall have a bright future if, if, if everything allows. But these are the conditions. So there's no room for complacency here, not a single time. I mean, maybe, 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 maybe it's me. Okay. <laughs> but uh, that's how I see it. Well, um, Olivia, we could chat for quite some time because I think it's a fascinating success story. And, you know, I'm in awe of what you've done, the culture, the people are, are brilliant to deal with. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's a reflection on you and your partners in, in what you've done. Um, but thank you very much for your time. Um, I know you probably you. Um, have got many other things to do, but I wish you well and um, good luck in the journey. Hey, John, I just what you said here is talking about the people and the staff and the ambience. I mean, uh, as you know, uh, that has always been very important. And I, I'd like to keep that as a, as, a, as a word for the end, if you don't mind, which is, you know, I always tell the guy that come and join us, say, hey, we spend more time together when, when our own family. So if we cannot get, you know, a good time, if we cannot work with, with respect, if we cannot work with, with, with tolerance, with ability to listen, uh, frankly, we're, we're, we're not doing the right thing. And, and uh, the human uh, importance in forward peace uh, for me, for us, I think uh, has always been absolutely essential. It's just not the, bus just not the business. It's also a, a bunch of humans trying to pedal in the, in the same direction just to use a, a bicycle thing. So, John, thank you very much. I appreciate your very kind words about, about our business. Uh, uh, and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity. You're welcome. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks. Thanks, John. Take care.